Welcome to the Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow the Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow the Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support the Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of the Purple Hyacinth Podcast, Venturesome Visit. And today we have Meg and Emma. Okay, <laughs> it's just saying hi. <laughs> so we ended off last episode with our super surprising content with uh, Bella coming to her caravan, opening it up, and seeing cool as a cucumber Darcy sitting there. And now we're going to find out more. And she opens up with the same line she left off last time. Fancy a cup of tea, just looking completely composed. Obviously, I think knowing, you know, deliberately being casual, knowing what effect her appearance has on, on Bella. I mean, this, this lady has got some emotional manipulation skills, let's just say. Yes, I, that's what I loved. Like, first open up from the onset, you see the role switch. Because up to this point, Bella has always controlled the room. And all of a sudden, that completely turns on its head. And in my notes, I said, I say, okay, first off, hello, sexual tension. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think it's really interesting seeing Bella's reaction because she's normally one of the people that is very serious the whole time. Even in a past episode when Hiran was shot, she still was totally cool about it and didn't make much mm-hmm. reaction. And I'm wondering what Darcy, what her role really is to make her so almost afraid. Let's save all the speculations after we get to their whole interaction, through their whole interaction, because, you know, then we'll have the complete information. But, oh, my gosh, yeah, so many questions. Oh, Bella is just shocked. We have this nice, you know, great aerial view of her being shocked. (laughs) Another close-up of her being shocked. Then she slams the door shut and turns around to face the door. She needs time to compose herself. Like, she can't even face Darcy yet. (laughs) I mean, there's several shots. She goes, ba-dump. Her eyes are wide open. She looks stunning. So like just gorgeous and she inhales and then there's another jump and another inhale and after two of those then she can turn around and face Darcy and say what are you doing here and she tries to put on her you know strong front that she usually has but it took her two breaths to do that I think they just wanted to put like uh, the lip color I'm here for the lip color I just focused on that (laughs) lip pillar color yeah, color. Yeah, yes. I know. I, I never wear lipstick, but it sure looks good on people who do. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, she they, she looks fantastic. And her home is. I, I'm also, you know, I looked at the the style of the home decor because I'm curious, and I'm kind of assuming it, that she set it up herself. Like it looks like it's her caravan that she probably takes with her when the circus travels. Um, yeah. it's you know quite elegant. It's lined with wood. There's a comfortable couch, a dresser rugs it looks very cozy 
So it's nice to see that, you know, that she has a home of her own. To, I don't know, doesn't, I don't know if she sleeps here or lives here all the time, but at least when she's with the circus, she has a really nice place to be. It looks like she cares about like where she lives, or at least she's put in effort, which I, I don't know what that says about her, but I mean, I think it would create a different narrative if it was just like the bare minimum, like bed, maybe a rug, stack of stuff in the corner. You know what I'm saying? I, I think when a person puts effort into their, first of all, the fact that she has enough time and money to do so, that's A, mm-hmm. and they look like it's quite decent, the furnishings, but also mm-hmm. it's um, it's self-respect and it's it's caring about yourself. One of the big things that we talk about with Midnight Poppyland is that Torah's apartment is very bare and unfurnished and undecorated because he doesn't care about himself. He doesn't feel he deserves a nice home, but she does seem to be, have enough, you know, a, a quite a healthy amount of self-confidence and self-love where she wants to live in a nice place and feels she deserves it. Yeah. But yeah, and also time, because I know from firsthand experience, if you are busy running from job to job, you have no time to focus on your home. So she has enough time to set up a nice home that's clean and well taken care of. What if, what if Darcy cleaned up when she got there? (laughs) What if it was a pigsty before? (laughs) All the clothes. Where'd she put her dress? She's there in like her under thing. Like where did, I know, right? I I I have a feeling, I think this is the New Year's party that happened the same night as this. I assume mm-hmm. they she might have left around maybe one o'clock in the morning and had time this maybe around three o'clock, maybe very early morning. So where she had time to go home and change it to something more comfortable. Or this was like an underdress underneath her. It looks like dress. an underdress. Yeah. And w- which would make her wearing it even more shocking. And I think a reference to some possible previous relationship where she's like hey you remember me like this you know it's it's one thing to show up you know to somebody that you maybe were in a relationship with in clothes but to show up in your like pajamas yeah that's why I was wondering what I said just imagine you have a pass with somebody and then you walk into your house unsuspecting and they're sitting there in their underwear Mm -hmm. that is a message oh yes (laughs) But I was really wondering if what Sophie and F meant by her outfit, because it does look like under things, but um, I think maybe to people who don't know Victorian clothing so well, they, they might think it's a regular dress, but I'm assuming Sophie and F like did their research before they post, you know, through this costume, this outfit, you know, I mean, the collar doesn't look like it, but the rest of it does look like it's like an undergarment. It looks like a shift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because when you say like that, you think it's three in the morning, my, like my whole body starts hurting when you say that three in the morning. And that's because like, I'm old <laughs> and I can't stay up that late anymore. Although I used to like until fairly frequently, until fairly recently, but I'm like, no, she left the party early and she came here right away. It's still midnight because this way she doesn't have to be up so late. <laughs> like my heart wants them to get enough sleep. <laughs> this is purple hyacinth. No one is sleeping. <laughs> I know it's terrible I used to be like a very 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 late sleeper I would regularly sleep at two three and you know wake up and work a nine to five and it was terrible like um I don't know how I did it so Darcy finally you know she's like it's been a long time Bella is this any way to greet an old friend <laughs> oh my goodness you know, you remember how, like, when we first met Kieran, we were like, oh, that man is, like you said, you know, everyone's like, such a punchable face. Like, how, you know, he just, like, he takes the irony of the situation and totally ignores it, just 
downplays everything and makes everything mm-hmm. out to be like this humorous joke. And that's what Darcy is doing here too. Just completely not validating her reaction and her feelings and pretending that there's nothing wrong with me just showing up in your house. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of a little torn because I really, my first impression of Darcy was that she was a good, or at least somewhat a morally, maybe morally gray, but kind of on the, you know, the better side of that, the good side of that. And now we see her there and she's like, she's, she knows how to play the field and you can see Bella flinch. And part of me is like, why did she flinch? Reminder of the past or did she just get friend zoned? And that's why she flinched. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, I never thought I would feel for Bella much, but I feel for her. Ouch. <laughs> Bella's mm-hmm. actually one of my favorite characters up there with the main four. Okay. I've Let's always hear. liked her a lot because of, mostly because she's like a woman and the Phantom Scythe, let alone one of the top spots for all the assassins, meaning she probably had to work much harder than a lot of the other people would have. And I don't want to excuse what she's done because she has done really bad things and seems to almost enjoy it. But I think that it's more, I'm not sure how to say this, more like I can respect her a bit more because she seems to have worked really hard to get there. Who has a theory that maybe Bella like Kieran also doesn't really like what she's doing and is just pretending to so if she's pretending to like it and she's also just being like oh my god I love killing people you know to throw everyone off and to just like put up a strong front then I can have sympathy for her but I mean so until this episode I didn't see any kind of human behavior from her I just saw her being slick and you know um casual and caustic so but again totally willing to absorb a new element and a new side to Bella very happy to hear to see it (laughs) it'd be cool to accept that but if I mean I don't know what I would think about two characters or two assassins in this story kind of having the same moral dilemma um I think it would be personally I think it would be more compelling if it was maybe not she had guilty about killing but maybe guilt about something else to make her just different from Kieran in a way I feel like if you have the same narrative for them both I don't I don't know I don't know if that would work quite as well but I'd like to, I like to see any character be redeemable, really. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it's the same deal. I really don't. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah, but, I mean, but even, even if she isn't remorseful, I could definitely see the attraction to like the femme fatale, the powerful, capable yeah. woman. Um, I mean, it's very alluring and it's, there's a lot to admire. Even if, yeah, like where you're admiring is her proficiency at murdering people. (laughs) But it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for people to look to be impressed by that. Yeah. And especially looking, you know, smoking hot doing it. So. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, when I was talking about like the self-respect portion with her house, I mean, you can see it in how she takes care of herself, too. She always looks great. She takes care of her her body, her appearance. And that's also a sign of someone who is sufficiently self-loving to, to present that to the world. So anyway, after that flinch, Darcy does finally have one human-like admission where she turns aside, puts the teacup down and says, 
if we still are friends anyway. To me, that was, she had a little bit of a sad look on her face when she said that. Did you guys read it that way? Oh, and she said, after you disappeared two years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, to me, it seems like she's sad and she's kind of accusing her of, why did you leave me two years ago? I think I have, go ahead, Em. One re- oh, I have one reason, but it has to do with something further along in the episode. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll mention thought, it when it comes up. Okay. Um, my only thought that I got from here is we, I mean, from uh, from Bella's reaction, we kind of get the idea that Bella, I mean, I did anyway. I got the implication that maybe Bella abandoned Darcy but then she's kind of like the other way around. She's like, are we still friends? And the person that usually asks that is usually the one who did the wrong. So I'm like the other way, maybe the flip side is true. Darcy abandoned Bella, um, either by her own choice or not by her own choice. Um, but that's kind of the first inclination that I got is she feels regret. She does maybe. Um, but there's also like, I don't know if that, what that can say about that character. You know, those people that apologize but they're apologizing just so they can get in your good graces again, that same manipulative kind of speech and narrative. I don't know if that's what she's going for or if she's genuine here. I hear that. It does seem to be um, manipulative Mm -hmm. on the surface of it. And you know, what Bella says afterwards does give, um, you know, uh, weight to what you said because she's like, did you never think there was a reason, Naira? And she has this accusatory, you know, angry look on her face. So it looks like there was a reason for her disappearance, whether it had to do with anything that Darcy did or whether it had to do with something that Bella had to leave for whatever reason. And the two years is like two years ago. And we know recently Karen disappeared as well. And I kind of wonder is, did that happen at the same time? Did they both disappear at the same time? Um, it seems like there's a blank missing in the timeline, kind of fairly recently, where um, a lot of our main characters just kind of went poof. Um, we don't know a lot about that timeline, um, but someone checked. I don't know if it's somewhere listed in the comic about how long Kieran was gone or when he was no. gone. I don't know. No, I, I remember looking for it. It doesn't say how long he's been gone. Okay. So maybe, maybe it coincides. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he was running missions with missions with Bella. I have no idea. Well, he, he definitely did at least one mission with Bella that we've seen. Yeah. So, but that seems to have been, um, earlier because she calls him the yeah. new recruit then. So Darcy gets up and we see just her beautiful long flowing hair, which also, I mean, if we're going to go with Victorian-ish standards, you know, that was quite intimate to let your hair down. And she says, huh, I sure hope there is um, a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And then Bella just asks her, why are you here? And <laughs> Darcy walks towards her. She doesn't walk, she saunters towards her she sallies those are moving (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) she's tossing her hair I mean she's doing everything she can to be attractive in my opinion (laughs) or or also like a power play Hmm? yeah no question about who is controlling the room at this point it's all Darcy yeah and she says you know she doesn't answer her question which is another power play she says you're not easy to find you know and it's kind of like, also, it's like accusing her of being hard to find. It's like, you made it hard for me to find you. It's, it's again, it's that twisty, edgy behavior where it's like putting her down, blaming her for something, making it mm-hmm. your fault that I couldn't find you. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Bella had to learn it. Her attitude from somewhere. Could she have learned it by being influenced by Darcy? <laughs> Maybe. And she says, you're almost never with the circus. Okay. Which is interesting. And you're completely untraceable the rest of the time, which I can, I think shows Bella's skill. Presumably she's doing assassin stuff or whatever else she's doing besides for assassin stuff, but she doesn't want to be found. And that's interesting. And she's good at not wanting to be found, good at hiding. But it kind of makes me wonder because we've already bumped into her a lot. Like Karen found her quite easily several times. (laughs) Maybe Darcy isn't that bright after all, who knows? (laughs) And she is just walking closer and she walks so close to her. And not only does she walk like right up to her face, she puts her hands on top of her and traps her between her and the door. Mm, My gosh, that is intimidation 101. Yeah, and as Meg is showing us, <laughs> um, steamy as well. I but, mean, hello? Yeah, I mean, sexual tension, he's there. He never left the room, still there. <laughs> yeah, but also very, very intimidating. I mean, she is tall. She's as tall as Bella is, and Bella's wearing heels, so Darcy seems to be a little taller than her. And I mean, it's just like she's trapping her there. That's extremely intimidating. And Bella is holding her own (laughs) but now that I finally found you I need your help and she starts to take her hat off of the coat rack where she just put it you know she's like oh my hat just gonna put it down (laughs) and now Bella says something interesting she's like oh and how could a commoner like me be of any help to you so princess so first of all, we learned that Bella considers herself to be a commoner and that she, she considers there to be a social difference between her and Bella and, and Darcy. But why does she call her a princess? You can hear the bitterness. Like I, I just, there's venom in that. I just know there is. If we can hear it, it's just like princess. It's an insult. It's not meant as any other way. I... Right. So she's conscious of like the social difference between them. Um. You know, sometimes people who are in different social classes are like, whatever, I don't care. This social class stuff is nonsense and I'm just as good as everyone else. But she's conscious of it. Like she feels bad about it, you know, because if it didn't bother her, she wouldn't, she wouldn't say it. Like she would just be like, oh, why'd you leave me? Whatever. She'd be angry at her for those reasons. But the fact that she's mentioning it with that anger means it bothers her. And I mean, these are all my personal headcanons or theories or whatever and there might not be anything to like back them up or whatever but like I get these vibes that Kieran, Bella, Darcy, all these people they had a common thread linking them in the past and I don't think it was a circus I think it was something else um but they all I think they were all kind of relatively from the same background they all could relate to each other and I can kind of like see them all kind of maybe sitting in a circle talking about their lot in the world and where their fates just led them. And they all kind of being in agreement over, you know, how unhappy they are about it, how it's wrong, the people they're mad at. And then you take that little, you know, teenage or childhood argument and everybody changes places. And now you have two people that are stuck in this world still. And then you have Darcy, which somehow moved out of it. And I mean, I would be like, you hypocrite. That would be my attitude. You're thinking that Darcy wasn't born, Noble? No, I get, I'm getting very strong adoption vibes. Uh, <laughs> Building okay. off of that, I'm remembering this one theory that I read last night when the episode came out that I've kind of built off of my own a little bit mm-hmm. and was that 
um, Darcy and Bella, and then probably Kieran, if Bella was adopted, were all orphans. And why Bella might be so bitter towards her is because Darcy was chosen for something that she wasn't. So to be taken in by a richer family. And I think that would really explain why Bella would be so bitter towards her is because that is a very big thing. I think it's pretty possible. I, I mean, I don't know if it's been written down there, but as far as my thinking has gone, I haven't really put it out there much, but there, I, if there was a leader or, um, Phantom Scythe orphanage run at one point or another or controlled or somehow like that, um, I would not be surprised in the least, especially with the themes of all these children missing and then children being used for violent purposes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of like boarding school or orphanage where they grew up, they were brainwashed and literally set on this path from childhood and Darcy managed to somehow find a different way and I mean whether it was by her choice or not but um I kind of that's my current headcanon so that's plausible so next she says she's like what could you you know how could I possibly be helpful to you and then she says just like last time only this time I need to escape so that is the question what is last time and what does she need to escape so we're almost done with this let's just finish up the last couple panels here and then we'll talk about it and she starts handing her a note that says you know to fold a note it says NED which presumably stands for Nero Lena Darcy and she says here's a location we can meet again Bella pushes her hand aside she wants nothing to do with this she's like escape from what the dull and boring life privilege again with that bitterness and she says a life I never chose you of all people should know how that feels. And that's when she's finally being sincere. She's not being manipulative or um, hiding her feelings or, you know, being intimidating. Mm-hmm. And Bella is receptive. She listens, she flinches. They have strong eye contact. Then Darcy looks away and, okay. Oh, I guess, uh, yeah, let's just finish up the panels. Um, she, Bella's asked her, so you did all of this to help me out, to find me, just to help you escape. And she puts it in quotation marks. Sounds like a reach. And they're, at that point, their faces are like super close together, very intimate. And she says, dear, which is, I think, some kind of ironic thing. And then Darcy says, I guess so. She pushes her, she shrugs away. She takes her coat, how entertaining. And then Bella pushes her away. She says, don't come back here. Hands her her coat, says, I don't want to see you. And dashes out and slams the door leaves uh Darcy looking at the door so what do you guys say about that (laughs) so much there also I don't think she's looking away in that panel you watch it's eye contact oh sorry yeah down and then I drop up she's looking at the lips she's looking at the lips (laughs) oh I thought she was looking at her her boobs (laughs) sorry (laughs) what are the other (laughs) (laughs) like distraction (laughs) yeah so what do you think is going on here what does Darcy want what happened last time um their interaction Bella's anger at Darcy what do you think is happening Emma do you want to go first or 
Um, I have a theory, which I can say now, I think, is it's even though it wouldn't fit in with the two years thing, mm -hmm. I have suspicion that something might have happened with Bella and Darcy and the arranged marriage with Will may have interfered with that. And so sort of to, I'm not sure when this was planned between the parents. We know that Will found out not very long ago, but Darcy may have known a long time ago, depending on when, depending on when they arranged it. If she was to say found out two years ago, she could have, Darcy could have distanced herself from Bella just to avoid more things. It would not end well. Like that might be a possibility, but I'm not really sure as to why. So it had would have to do a lot with what is Darcy's backstory. And as you were talking, I was thinking, so like two possibilities, either one, she was adopted off the streets and into a, a noble family, or she was always part of the noble family. And perhaps like her parents maybe had involvement in Snapdragon or somewhat connection to where Darcy and Bella could have interacted. Or maybe it was a hat meeting or something like that. But I mean, and there has to be way back there. So, but how else could a noble girl meet, you know, a little match girl from the alleys? I don't know. Like, right. I'm thinking that is it, they met, however they met, we don't know. But that mm -hmm. maybe there was, uh, you know, a connection between them, a love connection. And then maybe Bella felt, maybe Bella was getting mistreated by Darcy. Maybe Darcy was like, I can never be with you because you're not my class or maybe her parents were giving her that line. So maybe Bella just got frustrated and said, you know, you don't love me enough to stay with me. I'm gonna leave you, maybe. But I don't know, or it could be something more connected to like more action plotty oriented. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what did she need her help from last time? Like, so some people were like, oh, she's here to hire her to do what Bella does, which is assassin stuff. But I, I don't know. She never mentions assassin. I don't think she, she didn't mention that like, oh, I know you're an assassin the rest of the, the time. I don't know if Darcy knows she's an assassin. Also, honestly, that would be pretty extreme to hire an assassin to kill Will, some people were saying, or, you know, her parents. That's pretty extreme. Like there's better and easier ways to escape an arranged marriage or a coerced or like highly encouraged marriage than to kill people, you know, like that's a pretty extreme step. And, and she doesn't mention that, that she knows Bella's an assassin. I just don't know if she, if she knows that. I don't know how she couldn't, though. I mean, especially with knowing as much as she does know about her, how could she not know about her little hobby? <laughs> Hi. Hi, Fu. Hello. I'm so sorry about how late I am. No problem. You came just when we we're finishing discussing where, where we finished summarizing the Darcy thing. So I, w I was like, oh, no, but food's going to miss Darcy. This is terrible. But you're here, so we can discuss Darcy altogether. <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd like my thoughts at the end or, like, <laughs> when you like, I'm sorry, I'm going to reread because, honestly, I have no idea what was happening. I won't lie. <laughs> um, I was scared during that. Like, we have never seen Bella like that. I have no idea what you guys have said, so I'm so sorry if I'm repeating things. No we basically said we were discussing, yeah, I mean, the extreme, like Bella's reaction and how Darcy is so emotionally overpowering here and she's intimidating her. 
we discussed like what was their history, what was their potential background, and what did she now we're getting to the part where like what does she want from her now? Okay. So yeah, so let's take a you know, share your thoughts. Let's hear. Sorry if I like go on a complete tangent. <laughs> um I wish I was here earlier again. I'm so sorry. Don't worry about um, it. It's okay. I don't really know if I'm not entirely set on whether Darcy knows that Bella is PS or not. What do you guys think? Yeah, we, we just literally just discussed that. I said I don't I said I don't know if Darcy knows that Bella's an assassin because she hasn't mentioned it. And you know, I was like, I don't know if she is hiring her to be an assassin because like that's an extreme step to take, right? To get out of a arranged marriage, a coerced marriage, like there are easier ways to get out of it. So I don't and then she didn't mean I, I don't know, I don't get the impression she knows that she's an assassin. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because especially Darcy mentions the circus, but she doesn't mention the Phantom Scythe at all. Like when she's talking about Bella disappearing, and also because Darcy mentions the circus, I would guess that that's how they met. Who's at some point through Redcliffe and through Redcliffe with Bella, and then Darcy's parents through for Darcy, like because Redcliffe, he probably my guess is that he took the. Uh, circus kids in as sort of his own it seems and so he would take them to like high events sort of like the new year's party that we saw and he would bring along the circus um performers oh that's a cool theory so they met during somehow through those events yeah so like through those events they would sort of like the new year's party um that's how like bella and darcy initially met or maybe some backstage thing since Darcy has money and like uh, some backstage thing got offered when she was a lot younger and she got to meet some of the younger circus performers back then too. So that's what I was thinking for my guess for backstory. And it's obvious that the two kept in touch over the years, it seems like. So there's a lot of room for backstory there. Yes, I mean, it seems like it's based on the tension between them. It seems like there's been a lot more than just keep in touch. <laughs> like they were not mere acquaintances. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I'm not completely on board with the idea that she doesn't know that she's an assassin of some sorts, mainly because and maybe it wasn't mentioned, but I feel like this is a more personal conversation and it's got little to do with their careers. It's strictly personal for both of them. Like it's a very intimate conversation. Um, so maybe that's why it wasn't mentioned, but it could really be either way at this point. So, oh yeah, I totally agree. I'm like fifty fifty on this. I'm hoping <laughs> that she doesn't know because I think there, like, a scene where Nair finds out that Bella is actually an assassin would be really cool because I think she suspects it but doesn't actually know. Hmm. Interesting. Like for certain. And the so- whole how Bella would act with someone who wasn't an assassin or even knew what her job was. Like, if Nair had no idea that she was in the Phantom Side, I'm wondering how different she would act. And we could really see, sort of, because I have a suspicion that the way that she behaves is, even if it's not a huge one, still a front. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so, so it then... would be interesting to see how she acts with someone who she doesn't have to put a front up so 
I'm rereading right now. And the Darcy's line where she says, you're not easy to find. You're almost never with the circus and completely untraceable the rest of the time. The latter line kind of implies that Darcy doesn't know what Bella is doing. And while it doesn't, um, which makes, which is mainly why I'm like, does she know if Bella's in the fandom size or not? Because completely untraceable the rest of the time means that like, she has no idea what Bella is doing. And it's kind of obvious to us, the audience, that during that untraceable time, she is doing Phantom Scythe things. So I would also, well. it would also explain their, uh, Bella's fear, like in the last chapter and in this chapter, because this girl just completed three murders and she comes home to see an old friend. I'm going to say that with quotations. <laughs> They seem to be a little bit more than friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. Would it be too much on the nose to call them an old, an old match or an old flame? Would that be too much? <laughs> oh no! Oh boy! <laughs> I don't so, know. Um, yeah. Only reason because Darcy is—I mean, we know she's a noble. Currently, is a noble. Um, and how Karen said in that one chapter that the underground is like, if you don't know it, it's impossible to find things down there. Um, so maybe just Darcy doesn't know the underground, so she wouldn't have any idea where to look first. And I mean, that that place has a reputation. So maybe she knew that she couldn't even step foot in there. So maybe that's why she couldn't go find her just because she already knew it would be, you know, losing game. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Um, my last, my notes on here was the last on it, um, as far as that scene goes, was uh, just the, the tail end of that conversation, the way Bella just shoved, she just, she basically runs. Um, she, the whole time, it's like the little pokes, the little, the little sassy comebacks that she does, they feel kind of weak. And it looks like she's trying to get the upper hand in the conversation. You see her vulnerability. Um, you see some buried pain in there. And you see that Darcy struck a chord. And for the first time, like, it feels like Bella just wants to run from it. And in the end, she does. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of oops in that sarcastic deer. I think it was kind of hollow. I think she was kind of trying or reaching a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It gives me sort really... of, I won't lie. Oh, sorry. It gives me, like, Karen at the beginning of season two mm -hmm. vibes, almost. Yeah. Like, he's, he still uses the names. I don't remember if he uses the names, but I think he does. He, like, still uses the names, but they're not... They're not how they use like the pet names like Darling. I'm not sure if he used Darling. Yeah. I honestly have no remember, but if he was still using the pet names during that time, it like gives me that vibe like he's not using them the same way he used to, and they're a lot more uh I don't know, even vicious, I guess, or just what Meg said, hollow. Yeah. A couple times even, I think he like apologized right after. He was like, eh, sorry. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with your assessment of Bella and her feelings. She cannot tolerate this Darcy mm -hmm. appearing in her life again. And yeah, I mean, she shoves her out and runs away. Totally agree. And at that point where she tells her, don't ever come back here. I don't want to see you. She, Darcy, for the first time, looks vulnerable in that pose. She has her eyes open. She looks a little bit wounded. And to me, it's the first time we're seeing, one of the first times really we're seeing a genuine reaction from Darcy, where she's not just trying to be um in control of the situation emotionally 
So it looks like Darcy is also impacted by Bella's rejection of her. Mm-hmm. What that, is their history? Oh my goodness. If I like go down the, if it's, can I go down the scene to just like give my thoughts if that's all right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since I missed it earlier. I, again, I'm so sorry about that. Okay. So it's, it's not a far jump again to say that these two were romantically involved of some sort like maybe they never actually like gave it that sort of title but when we see Bella in this there is that very um thin panel of Bella where it's at her chest and that's you know where the heart is so like and her heart is the thing that's like but I'm being right now and last time we saw this it was Lila with Lucas so it's an interesting parallel uh, she slams the door or it seems like she slams the door it's a bit of a clack but the panel suggests otherwise so it's like she doesn't want to be seen it's, um, it's I would guess that most people are unaware of Darcy's association with the circus and it is entirely possible that other Pantheon members are completely unaware of the two's relationship so she in the moment that she catches herself and she's like what are like she breathes in and, and suddenly she's not as visibly panicked anymore and she has her facade on where she's the dark cold assassin she's like what are you doing here I thought that was interesting because we just came out of like the most vulnerable we've ever seen Bella and just in a moment in a snap she's able to completely flip the tables and over the next scene, it's basically the two sort of um, fighting for control over, I, I'm not sure how to word my words because it could be taken completely wrong, but the two are sort of fighting for control in this very emotional scene. And it's it's really well drawn and written by both Soph and F because usually in PH, a lot of, um, we get a lot of emotional scenes and they're just absolutely gorgeous works of art, but they're a lot more sort of pronounced in their emotion and they're a lot more expressive and you can really feel the characters' emotions. And yet in this, the characters aren't as, I guess, dramatic. They aren't as expressive in how they're feeling. And yet we're still able to feel the emptiness and just the space between these two people and that's amazing like it's some really great writing and I guess I'm not I want to say camera work but that's not really the same thing I guess art history expressing it through art I'm not sure yeah um, people do use the word camera camera view and lens perspective because without, I mean it's just the easiest way to describe it yeah um it's been a long time Darcy in that panel like she looks a little happy I don't know if it's like a front but I'd like to think that she's sort of happy to see Bella and is this an is this a way to green old friend so we know they have history and if Darcy is involved with Bella it is even possible that she might be involved with Kieran to some extent which I find interesting I don't think I don't think she's the protectee that people have been theorizing that she is because Bella probably would have had more of a reaction to 
thinking about her like because she was the one who brought it up as well so seeing this reaction from Bella I mean like seeing how scared she is I don't think she would just randomly bring a sort of mention of Darcy into conversation so casually as she did back in the 70s arc might have a connection to Darcy as well it is possible I think it would be more possible if we had confirmation that Karen was in the circus but Mm -hmm. for now like if they had like maybe a friend group of sorts he was third wheeling them the whole time gotcha that just makes me think after this whole story after the whole purple hyacinth story is done Somebody needs to write a uh, alternate universe fan fiction of the party scene and Lauren brings Karen as her plus one in everybody's reaction once we know who's who. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that would be hilarious. Um, okay, so if we are still friends anyways, after you disappeared two years ago, and I just, the first thing I thought of when I read that was like, Oh no, is this the same as like when Kieran disappeared? Did the two mutually disappear or something? Like were they and if Kieran was like um off seas, was Bella also off seas or was she just like training in the Phantom site? Because Dorothy has money, so I wouldn't be surprised if she maybe like filed for a missing persons report or something, or just even got like a private investigator on the case, like doesn't seem too far fetched, but that would, if she had done that, that would show how close they were. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Darcy had no idea up until recently that Bella was around. So yeah, I do think that maybe Bella had joined Kieran, but then it doesn't make sense with like the when they meet up at the bar in season one, like when Kieran's like, "Oh, it's you again." <laughs> So I was like, oh, it's been a long time to see. <laughs> so that's uh that's just something I find interesting as well. I, I feel I don't know, I don't I don't feel like Bella and Kieran work together overseas. Yeah. I think I, I feel the like whatever they did it. it was unconnected. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more uh far fetched it seems. Uh, so yeah, uh Bella is still in this facade she's doing pretty well i'd say she also returns the single first name like the five letter first name darcy's very comfortable it seems like i'm still latching on to that headcanon that she did not bring that teapot that teapot completely belongs to bella and she just made her tea right at home yeah i think that that makes sense Oh, and this is one of my favorite parts of the episode that we're approaching up on. So Darcy says, you are not easy to find, you know, and I really hope that we get to see how Darcy found Bella. It may have been, my guess right now is Darcy found Bella because Bella showed up at one of the new circus performances, like as we, because we saw her the other day when, uh, and like the whole chaotic uh 70s arc she was technically at the circus so people may have been talking about how oh hey Hesty is back and Darcy may have like heard and picked up on it and been like oh oh heck um Bella's back in town so I would guess that like 
uh, Bella coming back into the spotlight did propel her back into a little bit of fame and she has to be a little bit more careful now when she, if she's going to be spotted in her work but because she was also propelled back into re- relevance that was how Darcy was able to figure out she's back yeah that makes a lot of sense <laughs> so especially since she brings up the circus first like you're not easy to find you know and then she brings up you're almost never with the circus so like it would make sense if she found her through circus mean uh, memes means <laughs> either way she must know about the circus so maybe mm-hmm. she does know because i assume there are plenty of uh phantom side people that work in the phantom side in the circus and mm-hmm. i think the circus kind of provides people and assassins for the for the uh phantom side so i'm wondering if maybe darcy does know Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we, have a, we have a question for you. Do you think that what Darcy is wearing is um, are her underclothes? From the party? No, meaning we're thinking it looks like like a shift, like it doesn't, it looks like a, you know, an undergarment, and in which case it would make her, her showing up in her like lingerie basically very impactful and implies something about their previous relationship or do you think it's a regular dress just a little more simple oh god i actually don't know i was thinking about it like i was like wow that looks very like nightgownish like lauren has her nightgown this looks like the darcy equivalent of that nightgown and of course like lauren wouldn't wear that nightgown out in the public but this isn't really public so i'm not I'm not entirely sure, I won't lie, especially since the style in our tall is like the fashion style seems to be more a mix of mid 19th century with even a mix of like mid 20th century, whereas Darcy, her fashion sense seems to be late 19th century, which I found a little bit interesting because like Lauren, she wears more... um, like 1850s 1860s style dresses whereas Darcy is like completely she's well into like the 1880s ish if I got my fashion history right sometime around then and I found that really interesting because the silhouettes are such a the silhouettes of her dresses are just so drastic and compared to Lauren's like even at the party Lauren still has that sort of bell-shaped dress whereas Darcy Darcy's dress is much it's uh, much more like, I'm not sure, like rectangular in silhouette because it's not rectangular, but uh, the dress is slicker. I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> how to describe it. it. It doesn't have- I don't know the fashion phrases that well. Yeah. It, I looked them up several times, but I, I couldn't describe them. <laughs> it's skinnier. So like the dress does not seem to be very thick. It's not definitely not built like her party dress and it's not the undergarment that she was wearing but she was wearing an art undergarment that I could imagine being very similar to this dress but if and I can I can see this dress being another one of those undergarments as well because in her blue dress she had the blue dress itself but she also had that um I'm assuming it was a two-piece thing 
she also had the like sort of shirt thing and the sleeves which was underneath that and it was made of a completely different fabric so I can see this thing being sort of the same because of the collar there's a arc sort or there's like a little arc thing I'm not I don't think it is the right word um but yeah there's like a little circular thing uh right under the sort of collar thing the the neckline you mean right yeah it looks like it's a dickie a dickie is like a basically it's just the the shirt and this part and you put it underneath like if you're wearing a sweater or whatever so yeah it does look like a dickie to me yeah so I can imagine like a dress sitting like right on top of it like fitting it there but then also there's a lot of structure like it doesn't look like it but there is structure to that top it looks like it looks like a shirt dress uh in the easier to see in some of the panels than others but I think probably the best panel is the you're almost never with the circus panel which is like you get the full thing Mm -hmm. there it looks like her dress like if you look at the top and if you look at the where it cuts off at the waist that could be like a full-on shirt and then the rest of it is just um pretty much unstructured skirt which gives it that sort of loose uh more casual like super casual look because but if we just looked at the from the style of the top I would guess it's just super casual wear instead of complete nightgown because really I don't know casual. I guess sleeping in that sort of collar that that dress shirt collar would be really uncomfortable it looks like it's um something you can remove on and off like the the rest of it looks like a nightgown to me and then the shirt looks like a like a dickie that you add well like a shift to me you know that thing that ladies would wear underneath their corsets like it would be that protective layer that way when things tighten around in the shaper and everything like that it would actually go underneath the corset and it looks like kind of looks I don't know if she was wearing a corset under that dress but um if she was she would have taken the dress and then the corset off and then that would have been underneath which accounts for the structure around the bodice area um but I'm not an expert so I have no idea yeah same I don't have any qualifications to talk about it but hmm. it, it's a question that stumps me I don't like if that's the case how did she get that corset off that's what I want to know mm-hmm. one of her servants right who brought her here? Like, that's also what I'm wondering. Like, did she ride her horse over? <laughs> is there like a horse behind the little house thing? If it is her underwear, she put a coat over her undergarments and then ran through the streets of Ardalis to, to, find, to find Bella. I mean. Yeah, they're also still in winter. So it seems a bit, it doesn't seem like the best choice on her part if she was Called wearing undergarments. Like she's fashionable and she knows like what to she knows what to wear, obviously, from the parties, it seems like. So confidence. She knows she looks fabulous in anything. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think to me, like if she's showing up in her undergarments, it's basically some kind of way of shocking Bella because it looks like they had, you know, uh some romantic, you know, stuff going on between them. So it's a way of saying, you know, of shocking them, like showing up, let's say like your ex, like you were saying, Meg, your ex showing up in your living room in their underwear. It's, it's a way of getting at them, you know, like this yeah, is what yeah. we used to be. 
power move. <laughs> the thing probably again like what gets me most is that it is winter time in Artalis right now. Like they're like smack dab in the middle of or early January. So like I'm not sure if like sure Darcy could probably get a really great reaction out of Bella for coming in undergarments, but I don't think it would be very functional or just efficient if she did, because although she has the coat, undergarments aren't, like they aren't always um, super thick and a lot of the warmth when it comes to like winter clothing does come from like the outside layers. And so, um, and although it seems like winters in our tallest are pretty mild, uh, Darcy, I don't think she would just show up in undergarments she she knows what weather's like in our tallest and so um he would want to dress accordingly so the scene that i was thinking that just completely caught my attention and just had me enamored <laughs> um was the scene where Darcy walks up to Bella and they're very close, like very, very close. And she's like, but now that I finally found you, I need your help. And Bella says, oh, and how could a commoner like me be any help to you? And that's that I notice sort of sets up a very big conflict in the relationship that I imagine is the main or one of the main conflicts. They have a lot going on one of the main conflicts that they probably faced before this as well was that they come from completely different places. Uh, Darcy is a rich socialite with a ton of money and Bella is, you know, just some commoner, a circus performer literally from the streets. And it could be used to draw some parallels to Kiwi almost. Like I never thought I would say Bella has parallels with Kim but here's the day <laughs> so I could see that issue being dealt on in the future because all of our uh, main ships so far except maybe like Pakistan and Lula so like Kiwi, uh, Loki, and Belarsi they all have a class conflict between them I'm not sure how pronounced it will be in Loki because Kieran's current um, class is pretty obscure, <laughs> but he is teaching Lauren about it. So that is where the class war does come into play. But Lauren is also under a lot less um, expectations. So they have a lot more freedom and a lot more space to move about and how they develop their relationship. Uh, however, Kiwi and Belarcy obviously do not and did not. <laughs> and Bella seems to have had some very real contempt for it. That yeah, that was like my theory as well. That that maybe the reason that Bella was angry at her or had to leave two years ago was because there was no way that they could be together because of their class, mm -hmm. or because maybe Darcy wasn't willing to I don't know abandon her family to be with her. Maybe she wasn't willing to stand up against her parents. And Bella felt offended by that. She's like, you know, you love your parents more than me or whatever. So I thought mm -hmm. that's my, that might've been what she was, why she left two years ago. Ooh, I know that actually. With a twist. Because I don't, I personally like on that issue, like the whole like leaving someone for someone else, 
I think I've mentioned this before, like I sort of make it that my opinions on that, like I've talked about it with like that whole like um, the 04 leave on a train at the end of the story theory. Honestly, I would love if they brought that issue to the spotlight because my personal standing is you shouldn't be expected to leave someone else, like someone like really important to you for someone else. Like uh, Darcy may not like be under the best circumstances, but if she if she seems to genuinely like her family, especially her grandma, at least like mainly her grandma. So I don't think it would be fair to ask someone who's important to you to leave someone else that they are really that's really important to them like for your love if that makes sense like you shouldn't I don't think it's healthy to ask someone that you yourself love to leave someone else that they love because if you in my opinion if you really love them you wouldn't try you wouldn't put them through that sort of emotional torment of having to choose I hear you, and I don't know if you if you read read about it in the Discord yesterday, but um, I had a, a similar situation with my husband. Um, my parents expected me to marry a guy from a similar background that I came from, and I didn't want to. And I told them that for years, and they were like, "No, nah, no, nah, you'll grow up, you'll get over it, you'll you'll see the lights." And then I met my husband, and I was like, "I'm marrying him," and they were extremely upset. I was 20 at the time, um, extremely upset, and they we're never going to talk to me again but I didn't feel it wasn't at all a case of like my husband was saying oh choose between your parents and me I was like I've been telling my parents for years that I was never going to marry someone they wanted me to marry and um when I finally met the man I did want to marry I was like okay I'm doing this whether you like it or not um it was completely my choice so yeah so that was I mentioned in reference to Will and his conflict but I totally agree with you like it's not it's not at all an easy choice and it's it is hard to, you know, in terms of if you can expect someone else to do that for you, it's, I agree, can you, not necessarily, that mm-hmm. person has to want to do it. Like, if we put it in terms of the Bell RC, um, of the Bell RC uh, ship, I would guess that Bella was trying to get Darcy to leave behind her old life and come run away with her. And, and Darcy obviously did not, she obviously, she's still here, so she obviously did not want to leave, like, in the series, because, you know, she has her grandmother who's still around, and she probably wants to care for her grandma and spend time with her before, like, her grandma leaves, so um, I can imagine that being a huge emotional conflict for them, where Bella's begging her to leave with her and to escape to some RF nation where they don't have to worry about the circus and they don't have to worry about social standards and being rich and having money they can just be themselves and they can love one another like without any restrictions or in without any expectations coming from them and so Darcy in turn didn't react well to that because she has a life here in Nartalis that she wants in some well she wants in some way a bit that she wants to hold on to and there it, it that conflict did not turn out well for them Ella ended up disappearing for two years and Darcy was unable to track her down at all so except the uh, fact that Darcy 
I don't know what, maybe in the past she wasn't ready to leave, but now she wants to escape. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going on with her now, but it seemed, maybe in the past she was like, she wasn't ready, yeah. but she definitely seems ready now. She's made up her mind at some which would also explain why Bella's angry. She's like, oh, now you're ready to, if, if this theory is true, right? She's like, oh, wait, now you're ready to escape. You weren't going to do it before with me, but now you're going to do it. You want my help? It's like, hell no. Yeah, Bella actually calls her a princess. So do you guys think that she's actual nobility? Like actual, actual, like she is blood related to. That, that was my first thought. My first thought was like, wait, is she like a sister? Is she like a bastard child of, of the original king? Like. I'm still open to to there being some princess, real princess blood there. If she was, would they still try and marry her to a uh, precinct um, uh, <laughs> officer lieutenant? Like, would they? Would that match still work? <laughs> Maybe nobody um, knows. Maybe Will only is, she knows. <laughs> Will is destined, like he is destined, or what Stefan wants from him and is expecting, and will be pulling the strings to do is to get Will into a more reputable reputable position. But I guess like. You know, everyone has to start from somewhere. And so people are willing to brush aside Will currently being just like a lieutenant right now because they think that he'll uh, go farther. So his dad was chief of police and now is the general. And isn't he a duke also? Yes, he does. Yes, have the duke, duke is title. like second in command to king. It's right after king. So that's like the highest yeah. you can get without being king. Will it's pretty high up. So I imagine, that, I imagine that the marriage between Dorothy and Will would still happen even if she was officially royalty. Yeah. Or maybe she's secretly royalty, which would be even cooler. Not everyone knows about it. <laughs> or maybe she's just calling her princess as a sarcastic mocking thing. Yeah, it could be like <laughs> another uh, monomore thing. So, but it does seem to be an old nickname of theirs. Like it could be taken that way. Um, so, um, Bella would call Darcy princess back in the days for whatever reason and honestly that's so, just a cute it, I usually find it like in real life I would find it completely intolerable if I was around someone who did that to me like if someone was calling me princess I would literally tell them to be quiet and shut up because I would not be able to take it however I, totally I'm living for it I'm living for it with them <laughs> I'm totally thinking of that princess nickname in a totally not PG way. (laughs) (laughs) Meg. I will always be the one to make those jokes. Sorry. I can imagine. I appreciate it. I can imagine like a Wesley and Buttercup from the Princess Bride relationship for them. Yes. Yes. Like as you wish. I I can. I can too. Oh my God. (laughs) Seems a little too polite for me, but okay. Oh, I love that movie. It's so good. It is a classic. It is a classic. Oh, I need to rewatch it sometime. But yeah, I can totally see them as that sort of dynamic, like disappearing after many years, thinking that they're dead, but suddenly they come back as like this criminal and uh, they save you from this fate that you do not want, where you get must get married to this um, rich guy. And I don't think Will is the same level as the king. Will is completely so much better than the king but like it on yes, paper it, will, it kind of works <laughs> it but, works. Like, <laughs> but like separated by lives and stasha and it's like juliet and juliet with a twist 
Oh no! What if Romeo's legit like hopefully no one dies? Oh no! I for, okay. I thought it was possible that Bella like might die by the end of this, but I will literally throw hands if she does because I no, can't. No. I can't take one of them living like in the aftermath of the other's death. It would literally break me. <laughs> like Lockie, okay. If Lockie dies, like one of them dies, I'm chill. Like I'm fine. We uh, were. I am not chill. I am not. I'll probably cry for two weeks straight. But I'm fine afterwards. But however, if one of them dies. Like, I will literally never leave my room again. The world will never be all right. The earth will literally be shifted from it, from its axis and be thrown into chaos as it spirals away from the sun <laughs> into whatever other solar system that we'll never see. Honestly, if any of, like, the main, main characters die, including, like, Tristan and Lila and Lucas and them, I will probably cry really hard because I love yeah. them all so much. I think I we're being stupid. Lauren, the- I'm gonna cry if they die. If I think we're stupid to think that nobody's gonna die, so somebody's gonna have a broken heart. Someone. Nobody. Nobody's gonna die. Okay, people call me smart, but like literally, I am dead set that none of the O4 will die, and that like no one surrounding them will die either. So like Bella, Darcy, if they're like around the 24ish age, besides Harvey, they're all right. They're gonna survive. Yeah, However, really like. Know. I can't say that March, Tristan, or Dokken are safe. They're uh, they're not uh, bad. They're they're mentor figures to um, Lauren, and we always we know what happens to the mentor figures on the hero's journey. They get yeeted at some point. Uncle Iroh never got yeeted. <laughs> no, that's fair, but. You know, with so many, with so many of these characters, and they do seem very um, important to the PS. Them all surviving, I'd say, is a pretty low. Is a pretty low chance. <laughs> uh, we're, we're just my like brain, my machine. brain understands you. My heart refuses to accept. Yeah, we're just discussing what will break our hearts, and then there's soft and F in the background, just like cackling. <laughs> uh, I'm... I can't even think about it. I don't want to think about it. Mm-mm, Deal with it don't. when it comes. I'm a fool and I know that. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I think Bella and Kieran are our highest chances to, or like, are most likely to die simply because of their position. And, you know, a while back, like, this is before Darcy was even introduced. Like, this may have been September, August theories. We thought that, like, we were talking about a Bella redemption arc and what that would look like. And I think, ironically, since we're talking about them escaping, for Bella, that would mean choosing to leave and choosing to just um, finding the strength to leave her current circumstances. And I, I know that's so ironic because we were just talking about how, like, um, you shouldn't expect someone to leave someone they love. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so this is so ironic just going back to this, but uh, it seems like I should probably just get into the scene <laughs> or this dialogue because it seems like Bella is genuinely unhappy with her current circumstances. So I'm just going to go into the exchange that they have where Bella's like, escape. So 
Dorothy tells her that she needs just like last time. So it's last time. Only this time I need to escape. Here's the here's a location we can meet again. And Bella, she shout, she like pushes it out of the way and she's like, escape from what? The dull and boring life of privilege. And that line there, it makes me think that Bella is sort of envious or she just find it ironically. She does think that that life must be perfect in sense. You know, the dull life of the dull and boring life of privilege. Because privilege is something that Bella has never really had in her life. She came, she was a Great Chapel orphan who then became a circus performer. And while yes, she did have connections, like high, high class connections, she likely didn't live in high class, high class conditions at the time. And I I wouldn't even go as far to say that um, the way Bella carries herself, the way Bella dresses, because it's all very extravagant, the way Bella acts now is just to make up for the extravagance that she never really got growing up. She's trying to sort of substitute it in her adulthood because she saw it but never really received it. And so this is her trying to make up in a sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, Mindy, just a heads up, I do have to probably leave somewhere around 10.30, so just a heads up. Oh god, I'm so sorry, I'm just rambling. There's a lot to process in this chapter. I was, oh, yeah. I was thinking it's going to be a long one. There's like several different sections. You got the Bella Darcy, then you have like that hole with the butler and boof, and then, and then the court. There's a lot. There's just several sections in this chapter, so. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just I love Darcy I have so many thoughts <laughs> uh, so I just want to like get them all out but um yeah so when Bella's like a the dull and boring life of privilege she does have a lot of contempt for it it is it does seem like that way and I guess that does seem why the fandom size does call to her a bit because it did seem it does seem like it is entirely possible that Bella joined the Phantom Scythe completely on her own um, accord and like just on her own judgment. So if you did choose the assassin life, I do think it may have been like, you know, a bit out of a bit of like going with this theory, it could have been like out of a bit of contempt for the rich because, you know, the rich is what have made her life this way and the upper class and their systems and their corruption and their world. The world that Bella was born into and the world that Bella unfortunately was born at the bottom of um, yeah I wouldn't be surprised if she held a lot of contempt for nobility which makes Bellarthy really ironic because they are technically then enemies to friends to maybe lovers it seems like to enemies again here or strangers might even be a better term it may also be that they, um, you know, like each other a lot, but at the end of the day, aren't compatible because of their differences. Oh God! Make that a very God. interesting theory where where um, Darcy also grew up poor, but if she grew up rich, maybe you know sometimes people can be attracted to each other, but because of their differences, just can't actually be together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, Darcy's adopted theories I saw, which I thought was interesting. I personally think that she's biological. I think Stefan, Stefan is a, he's a jerk and he would want someone of like straight 
like noble descent sort of like get that you know blue blood pure, in there pure bloodline kind of thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Ooh. like he would want that like he would want that seven wants that like actual genetic like descent so i'm not sure if he would settle for someone who's adopted more reasons to hate just a jerk like that <laughs> so bella or sorry darcy says a life i never chose and you of all people should know how that feels it's literally one of my favorite moments in the entire chapter if not my actual favorite because I've been saying for a while now that like Bella didn't choose this life. She was a circus performer and she was taken as, as a kid. She didn't consent to it. And, um, Rickliff was abusing her and the other Pantheon kids for money and building himself a fortune off child labor and whatnot. Like Bella did not choose this life. It is quite evident. Um, she didn't really choose to become a circus. Like, yeah, she did choose technically it does seem like she did choose to become a circus performer, but when it's out of, like, when you're doing it for survival, like, when your options and are so bare that you're, do, that you're choosing something out of, like, just necessary survival, it's not really a choice at that point, because your other options are to literally, like, starve to death. So, I'm, I don't think that Bella really got the choice in that um, circumstance when when she did join the circus kind of opens um, the door for a discussion kind of on like um, the decisions that are taken away from children that are in those situations that are kind of brainwashed that are kind of shoved into scenarios that any child should never be shoved into and um, one of the things that remind me of this I don't know if any of you have seen Jojo Rabbit the movie um, came out in like 2019 oh, yeah. um, but like that's what they did that the Nazis did they indoctrinated children um and there's pictures of Hitler with children and that's where he saw the strength was if you could control the children you could control the future and so we kind of see the same kind of narrative being built within Purple Hyacinth that this idea of children from a very young age being accustomed to violence and being shown that this is the way things are done and you have no other option and their humanity just kind of gets pummeled over and over and over again and kind of destroys the per the people that they could have been, but that was taken away from them. And that's probably one of the more tragic narratives in history and in literature, um, the brainwashing and the, the stolen innocence of children. And for that reason alone, I can sympathize with Bella all day long because that mm -hmm. was taken from her. And that's tragic. And I can't blame her for that. I really can't, even if she has made really horrible decisions as a consenting and fully grown adult. Yeah, um, I do definitely agree. The, the dark side of like a child soldier's narrative is one that like definitely compels me a lot, um, especially since like recently I got back into another show called Voltron. Uh, that show broke my heart a million times over, but it does it does technically deal with child soldiers like they are the main characters are teenagers and they become like the special knights of ultron and whatnot oh okay i've seen that one yeah yeah i'm not gonna try and delve into spoilers but i just i thought it would be interesting the show never does really address it but i do think that like the whole narrative of like you know the chosen one but they're a kid 
if the dark side isn't really explored that often because they are technically like you said they are kids and this whole you know greater destiny does sort of steal a bit of their childhood innocence mm-hmm. and it's just the plot point that I would honestly live if we got to <laughs> see yeah. other stories like sort of develop and explore that dilemma because it is it can get really dark yeah I don't know if any of you watch Attack on Titan but they're into that very much a lot um especially in the newest season and it is one of the hardest things to watch oh yeah I haven't watched Attack on Titan uh from what I've seen it's a bit too gory for me uh I'll wait a few years I think (laughs) for me to grow a stronger stomach but yeah anyways back to the comic uh so I think that's also the life I never chose that is an aspect that the two are joined together by and they are brought together by just their inability to control their circumstance and that issue drives them together because they are able to find um I guess safety in the other knowing that they aren't entirely alone in the world Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite romance tropes where they're like where like they find solace in the other but it also I do also want them to not be completely dependent on one another and that is definitely not healthy like if you're completely dependent on one person they're completely dependent on you like you need friends like you need other people and I do think that that's where Bella and Darcy's stories are going um I'm not sure how many genuine friends Darcy had before Bella like you see her interactions with Will there's a lot of lying in there and there and Darcy obviously knows there's a lot of lying and it's all just a facade that she has to keep up mm-hmm. so because Bella was one of the few people that she got to interact with likely as a kid or when she was younger who d- was not held up to the same standards and pressures and expectations as other high-class kids then like yeah, it's totally possible that Bella was really one of the few genuine relationships that Darcy was able to form. And so now into adulthood, now with like, we saw her, we saw Darcy with Lauren. I do hope that Darcy is able to form more genuine relationships with more people and, you know, just get that support network. Also, a Bella and, sorry, not Bella, a Kim and Darcy friendship I need it in my life I would not I don't know how that would look like would be very very upset at Darcy because Kim does not tolerate BS and Darcy pulls a lot of emotional BS with her power plays really like I mean Darcy has like the power she is she can be like just a genuine person like from her interactions with Lauren I still think that that was genuinely Darcy there However, the yeah, whole she, switch she behaves here. differently. Right. Yeah, Lauren... the whole switch here is because she's dealing with someone who she has a lot of like unsaid things with. Like she, there's a lot of contempt between the two. So she does act differently and she does want control of the situation. And, you know, she had time to prepare for this meeting. She may be feeling the same way Bella is secretly feeling as well. But yeah, we also know that, oh, excuse me. Uh, We also know that 
or we can assume and we hope that Darcy is a genuinely nice person as well. Because uh, her that's what her character introduction set her up to be someone who's compassionate, someone who looks beyond class and wealth and status, which we should have seen as foreshadowing for all of this. <laughs> and she treats people with respect and she treats them with kindness. So um, I don't think that she's super cold and uncaring. She seems more morally gray than black or white. I, that's probably what I would expect from her. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. When, uh, for the panels, a life I never chose, you of all people should know how that feels. It does, the way that she's able to say that to like Bella, because like, I feel like we don't even know Bella anymore. Like I thought we had some grasp of her character and maybe some of her conflicts, but this is like an entirely new character here. Like, damn. <laughs> um, how vulnerable she is and how Darcy is able to pull these things on her I'm like wow <laughs> I'm like that's her power <laughs> um, but there's a moment where the two are just staring at each other and she Bella or just sorry Darcy breaks the eye contact and they're just up to standing there she's looking at the lips I said it before but she 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 downward it's there it's a, it's a direct downward eye contact so either like neckline or lips <laughs> I, I almost can think it like the at least the second panel of um Darcy eyes in that sequence I can see her almost looking at her feet just not wanting to like she is that is her break in this scene because Bella broke like as soon as this as soon as the scene started like she was mm -hmm. panicked there, but I think this is Darcy's break in the scene. It's a lot more subtle and there's a lot more interpretation behind it, but yeah, for my interpretation, this is where Darcy breaks at least because she does seem a little less confident in the coming panels where mm -hmm. Bella starts to regain more control. So this is where the tides turn. This is where the tables flip. Uh, where um, it got a little bit too emotional for them like with the you should know how that feels like a little bit too deep and now Darcy um, got a little bit too detached and she went a little bit too far and now Bella has control and that's why Bella's like you did all of this just to find me to help you escape sounds like a reach dear and mm -hmm. Darcy says, I guess so. Like, it's not, there's not a lot of power to her um, words. There's a lot more emphasis on Bella's words, as we see with the font. But it, I don't know, just the panel of her going, I guess so. It's, it, it breaks my heart. Like, she's smiling, but she's obviously not feeling that on the inside. And the way that I guess so is framed in that bubble and just the way that it looks compared to everything else that's happening. It's just quiet acceptance sort of in a way. And yeah, Bella gets control and she gets Darcy to take her coat and then Bella just leaves the room <laughs> entirely. 
which I honestly, I mean, it's sad. I guess she's just trying to run away from it as fast as she possibly can because it's an uncomfortable situation for her. But I'm like, honey, that's that's your house. You're leaving that you're leaving your house. <laughs> like you came home and then you just left. Yeah, she wants to get away, I guess. And yeah, um, because of their positions, like she can't really shove Darcy out the door because Bella's the one with her back to the door. And Darcy was so comfortable in the house that like Bella's just I'm out of here. Leave whenever you want to. Um, you're not going to see me. Yeah. It goes right back to that earlier discussion we had on power dynamic and the controlling of the room and the controlling of the narrative, which um, even the, I guess, how it's framed in the comic itself is, you know, shows that too. So yeah. we have totally spent two hours on just the Bella Darcy scene. <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mindy, this is going to be a really long episode. Yeah. Okay, so are we ready to move on to the next part? I think yes. so. Sorry for holding you guys. Time. Yeah, you know, I know, Meg. It's okay. No, it's okay. Uh, you guys continue, like, talking or whatever. Even if I have to go, you have all my notes, so. Oh, you know, let me open it up now then so that I can read it when we get to that. Okay, so next part opens up with uh, March visiting Herman's office. Let me just log in. And he says, Evening Captain, three nobles were murdered last night. Golden Viper Venom again. And so, yes, that is what we were seeing with Bella. Two in the 10th district and one in ours. The bodies were found this morning. And he's like, oh, I see our serial killers on a spree. Tonight's murders don't seem related to Harvey's or Six. The three nobles also had no apparent ties to each other, which is interesting. And then he says, I believe we're dealing with Hitman from the Phantom Sight. We know some of their assassins accept contracts for cash on the side. So interesting. Marsh doesn't think it has anything to do with the Phantom Sight. He thinks it's a private assassination for, you know, a contract. Considering how they don't have any attachments to the Phantom Sight, the nobles that were killed, that we know of, and that the police know of, I think that someone hired Bella to kill them because she has said before that she kills like people like cheaters and people that for hire as on the side probably to make extra money i i don't think bella is like completely just third party that you can hire because she is doing uh work for the leader where she is spying on she is spying on um a7's operation and I don't think she would be very widely trusted if she wasn't complete PS. So I guess it's sort of a mix. Like she is doing spy work. She's doing assassination work. Um, all for that sweet, sweet cash. So March's, uh, March's assessment is like half right, I would say. has to ring up what about Sinclair where was she last night he's just not letting that go and Marsh says she was home the entire night dozens of guests Chief Sinclair and Lord Rimesville can confirm it like eat that Herman (laughs) although honestly like the entire night is um like they didn't didn't see her the entire night but they the guests saw her until the party ended she could have gone out afterwards but whatever (laughs) I guess like I'm guessing the party would have gone to like maybe 1 a.m. ish because 
they would have had the like midnight toast and then they would have had like the after party sort of though so i guess like 1 or 2 a.m is when the party guests uh, are to leave so basically plenty of time for lauren to pop out do three murders and then come back <laughs> <laughs> i mean sure it could be possible we don't know uh, the timing of the murders but i'm glad that lauren's yeah. been considered pretty much clear from all of the murders and now she can actually go back to what she wants to do because even though it seems like pretty tedious work she seems to really enjoy patrol work yeah she likes it i think i'm really glad that she's able to go back to that Mm -hmm. also okay literally i want herman to be a sympathetic person for once and i want him to be like you know show some sort of trauma of empathy and I was like, oh, hey, like, maybe this is a chance, like, for something to show where he's, like, relieved that it's not Lauren, like, for, and he's relieved because, like, for her own sake. But no, he just says, I see, that's good for her, I suppose. I'm like, dude, do better. You suppose one of your officers isn't a murderer, and you're like, I, did, I suppose. <laughs> oh, oh, I suppose, like, oh, I suppose, and I'm like, dude. <laughs> I'm giving you my faith right now. Do not screw it up. I have okay, a, this is a good time. Yeah, that's your theory time. Um, I have a crackhead, totally unlikely. I don't really believe it kind of theory. Um, the theory that Herman has actually been on Lauren's side the entire time and is actually trying to get her off the police department and off the detective unit and out of police work entirely because he knows her obsession and he's trying to protect her for some reason or another. It is a crack theory. I do not believe it, but if it turns out to be true, I, I said it first, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, Meg, but I kind of beat you to it. Oh, no. Back. I'm so sorry. No, it's good. Uh, it's a bit different. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's a bit different, but basically the base of that theory is that um, it, it has been said in the show, and I'm very, or in the show, in the webcomic, uh, and I'm very sure that Herman is aware of this, but Lauren's a very efficient detective and so it makes so like she could be March's superior by now like if she was still a detective mm-hmm. like, that's how good she was and March has yeah. been doing this for years whereas Lauren's only been doing it for a couple and Herman knows this like he knows that their department could be super efficient if if Lauren was still a detective and for some reason he's not keeping uh he's not he's not um, promoting her again uh, and we have seen Will advocate for her like on her side where like mm-hmm. she learned for, or to Stefan he was like she learned from her mistakes and I'm sure Herman is also aware of that to some capacity but I think mm-hmm. Herman knows she has the obsession and so he knows no. that that obsession got her into dangerous situations and he knows that because she's not like entirely over it, if he did give her that power of detective, it could get her into those situations again. And my theory that I've had since like, I don't know, it's been months, um, probably August or September. Um, what I was thinking is that he's trying to keep her safe in that sort of sense, because if he did give her that position back, let's be real, she would probably be dead by now. So he has sort of in a way saved her life by keeping her from that detective position 
because like you know if she was detective she might go off and do stupid things like team up with the purple hyacinth to- <laughs> she's already doing she's doing stupid yeah. things without that <laughs> but yeah he's doing what he can in his power to keep her safe and that's my take on it so kind of like a, a Snoke theory, he, he secretly loved your mother and now he's trying to protect her. It's a Snape, but we completely <laughs> take out that mom. Joke. We Snape. take out oh the mom gosh. love. I don't know if, if Herman and Rachel were romantically, were, were romantically related, I would literally stop reading PH. That'd be too much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> anyway, our next scene is hilarious. Kim, we have Kim like jumping on top of Lauren. She's like, I'm so happy you're not a murderer, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. That's the, that's your bar for friends, not murderers. <laughs> very, very funny. And she just jumps on top of her. It's like Herman and then um, Will says, Herman will have no choice but to cut you some slack now. And Lauren's like, still three murders in one night. That's insane. And she's like, yeah, I know. So soon after the circus, there's no clear connection. So it must be some sort of contract killer. And it was like, let's stop talking about this murder. It's giving me a headache. Just want to forget about it this morning. And then we have a flashback to earlier that day. And it is a very suspicious and interesting flashback. So we have Will and Kim outside on the street. Just apropos of nothing. And suddenly you see Lady A, Lamp Lady, saying, Ah, it's horrible. This is horrible. Horrendous. My heart cannot handle the stress. And she's, you know, in hysterics again, just like bowing down and poor Kim is trying to support her. She's like, you'll be okay, ma'am. We're the APD. We're here to help. And she's just hysterical. And Will's like, my, la- uh, my lady. Now she catches hold a sight of him. Her eyes twinkle. She sees him. And in her mind, what does she see? She sees Lifeguard Will. <laughs> Lifeguard Will. <laughs> Oh my God. She sees a beautiful young man in his beautiful costume with the shining sky around him and the beach and he's in this wet t-shirt. Oh, the looking wind stunning. on his path. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a stunning picture, but <laughs> it just shows that she sees him, sorry, as a piece of meat. And like, here's this pretty boy and now she's going to start acting really nuts. And what Kim will say later is 100% true. Will, you know, Will's just being professional. He's like, my lady, can you stand? And of course she can stand. What does she do? She pulls Will on top of her. She lies on the floor on top of poor Kim, who is expiring and like a ghost. She grabs him, pulls him on her, holds his face. And she's like, oh, this is all too stressful. And with her mascara running again, because she's crying. My poor heart can't take it. She, I, this scene, me hate Lady A. This is I don't find her comedic anymore. I find her a bad person. What she I did, don't, I don't like yeah. her. Who was right to I hate her? Super funny story about this, and I think Emma just mentioned it a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if you want to continue more with the scene because it gets to a specific point. It would be good to okay, so <laughs> tell we'll, it. We'll tell the story afterwards. But she says, "Please administer CPR at once." So she squishes him and she grabs his face and like brings it close to her mouth, like. Lady, you do not do that to people. You don't. You just don't. What have you, do you have any boundaries or respects or personal space or like, and she's like, I'm sure your girlfriend over there will understand. And Kim's like, oh, girlfriend, what? You know, or no, sorry, Will says that. And Kim just has her eyes wide open. She's like, wait, who's the girlfriend? Me, which is cute. And she's like, ma'am, you don't need CPR. I know the situation might be stressful. Like the stress is too much. Is my heart still beating? And she just shoves Will onto her breasts. I mean, this lady, sexual harassment right there. Kim says that. She's, man, this is sexual harassment. I'm like, this lady, I 
cannot stand her. Before and that, she was just a working person too. Mm-hmm. Like Will's just trying to work. He it's his job to make sure she's okay, and she's just taking advantage of it. Yeah, she's like, he's a pretty boy. I'm going to just assault him and grab him and push him onto my body because I want to, and I I'm forcing him to and overpowering him. I mean, it's disgusting. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's very very. It's yeah. not acceptable. Just because she's old does not mean she has the right to sexually harass a person. Um, so my story about this, I think Emma like briefly mentioned it. Uh, Mindy, so- I'm going to step out for a phone call just briefly. Please keep talking and hopefully okay. I will be back. Sure. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> um, I've had this crack thing that I've done for a while. It's mainly an ongoing joke that I've done, which also originated around like August basically I have this vendetta against Lady A because I personally think that the relationship between her and Butler is not a great one because there is a power imbalance and like she has I just I there's like she controls his finances and stuff like so like it's not really the healthiest relationship on Butler's side because she is also very emotionally dependent on him so it's like uh, yucks for him so basically I've been canceling her in a way since like August and I've been like I've just despised her for months now like I love Butler he's done nothing wrong he's the pure soul in this world of monsters but Lady A I hate her I hate her so much I used to kind of like her as comedic figure and after this I'm no I don't like her anymore she's just that's it's it's literally sexual assault with when a working person who's just trying to help her out. Like he has to help her. Probably even if he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. So the really funny thing that happened, uh, my story is that one of my friends who watches streams, I'm I'm sorry, Arm, I'm kind of calling you out right now. He DM'd me one day and said, I apologize for being against canceling Lady A. I have changed my mind. And I was like, what the hell happened? And she's like, you'll see in a month. But you were right to cancel. And I sent her, uh, they called me a madman of like Thanos. Like they called me a madman because it's like all my theories, people like are, they think it's crazy, but you know, I'm right sometimes. And at the same time, uh, one of my other friends, DM'd me and was like let me see if I can find it but basically they were like you're right yeah one of my friends said um who also he also DM'd me Nick she said I think herbs already mentioned this to you but you were right to cancel lady a and they DM'd me around the same time so it was like how are y'all in on this? <laughs> and so I, we made a, I made a group chat between us and I was like, all right, y'all, what is happening? <laughs> because they just, you know, they DM'd me at the same time and I was so confused. And uh, I found out about this scene and it was like, aha, I was right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was something I just found kind of funny <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, the, I don't know, justification, validation. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when this episode comes out for non-fast tests, I'm gonna be so smug to everyone. 
<laughs> because also by then uh, the whole like Orion and Sense massacre being done by the royal sing will have come out and they're like so like my theories are just coming true one by one by one <laughs> the 80s arc has been great for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Kim thankfully calls her out she says this is sexual harassment and they must be distressed but don't make me arrest you good please go home we're handling the crime scene trying to get her off and at that point when she hears that she jumps up and she's like huh crime scene no I can't leave Suddenly she's not having a heart attack and she can't and she can move. So it's like, oh no, what if the victim's my butler? Okay, first of all, she's insane. Like her mind leaps. I mean, this is she's done this before. Like we we, you know, we assume she was there for comedic purposes. At this point, I don't know anymore because they're like, wait, she wasn't here because of the crime scene. I don't effing know. I mean, I don't think Will has ever cursed before. Uh, this is this got uh, to happen. Once uh in when Raphael was around, I he did it once. That's yeah, how upsetting that's how upset he is. Like Lady yeah. A and brother missing for 10 years. I mean, same reaction. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can't stand this lady. <laughs> so yeah, her appearance here is very suspicious, as well as what she's about to say. She says, I'm sure it's the same two fecund felons again. They were at the Carmen Camellia too. Those wicked predators have been tracking us. What is she doing? Does she know something? And is she trying to get them in trouble? What is well, going on? Why is she everywhere at the same time? Why is she? Why does she pop up? Lady like, and the Butler have been around for I'm pretty sure every, almost every single Loon mission. They've been there, and I know that in the Canvas version, before it was on Originals, Rebel Hyacinth, the Butler was killed like right away. But I have this suspicion about Lady A. She seems. She seems a bit suspicious. I mean, I think she—I think she knew about Loon before it was released to the public too. Right, she knew about them right, right outside, um, outside the police station when they just had that meeting, just the police officers. So I have my suspicions about her. Yeah, it's definitely more sus and less comedic this time around. Uh, honestly, the funniest thing about this whole thing, if you were going to be funny, was Kim's reactions to everything um i love kim that was that was the highlight of my scene of the scene was just kim's reactions her outfits are always great i will say that <laughs> but yeah there's something highly suspicious and kim picks up on it she's like wait uh you know she's like oh waiting for us to lower our guard now they've taken my butler and she's like oh my gosh wait the scene two are you talking about loom and she's like oh so those assassins were loom i knew they couldn't be trusted hmm. And Kim is writing this down. So Kim's not dumb. Kim is putting the pieces together. I really hope that the Carmine Camellia lead, I really hope we see our next Soleil episode because I've been, I can't wait for it. And I, I'm not sure if I addressed this on the podcast yet, but I've been really hoping for more Soleil contact, uh, content because I thought that that was something that the season was like super setting up and just, something that like um we were supposed to expect a lot from like even to maybe even the prevalence of like soon particularly but it kind of got dropped um yeah. that whole plot line of after like the 60s arc it kind of got dropped a bit of like that plot line of Luna or sorry not Luna of Kim and Will uh searching for Loon but 
it's being brought back and I'm super excited because it was one of my favorite ones one of my favorite plot lines and if they do go back to there to investigate what did Karen and Lauren leave behind at that crime scene yeah (gasps) two bugs yeah that's what I was thinking oh no oh there is evidence there's evidence oh they're they're getting messy (laughs) oh they they might have even found like they might even find evidence of the fight that Kieran and Lynn had. Like, if Kieran was leaving behind, like, those, um, I don't yeah, know what they're called. Through. Those, like, ninja stars? Uh, that's not the right word, but I can't remember what they're called. I'm so sorry. Uh, but, like, he was throwing those things at Lauren, and I doubt he went back to pick them up. So Maybe they did um, go to their room, by the way, and get the bugs out. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, we should, maybe it was just off-camera. No, yeah, maybe we, we saw them part. We saw them like leave at the end, like, and they went separate ways after the closet. And if, so I doubt that they went back. Even if they don't discover the bugs, um, I, I I mentioned this when I first got on the Discord, like I don't remember when. Um, but if you go back to that episode and you remember how the messenger like appears out of nowhere, well, if you look at the panels, there's like this circular thing that comes and he comes kind of out of the garden. He doesn't come from the gate. There's like this circular thing just behind him from where he's stepping. My theory is that there is an underground to the facility. And the reason why we saw him come through the gardens and leave through the gardens was he was actually going into like the underground or the basement or the tunnels or something like that. And it's maybe that's what they'll discover. But it does look like there's like a trap door behind him when he first emerges in that chapter. Oh, yep. yeah. Okay. This is funny because there's so many intricate theories, but uh, we have a, uh, we have an old theory called the tunnel theory. And it's similar to what Meg said. But basically, Art Hollis is connected by a ton of underground tunnels underneath, and that's where the nitro is being stored. So mm-hmm. when the nitro goes off, instead of like buildings being exploded, it's the ground that's going to be unstabilized, and the city will literally collapse in on itself, and then the water will come rushing in. The water from like the ocean, it's going to flood. But that the just city. doesn't get rid of the hierarchy or the royalty. That gets rid of everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, but I, you know, I, you know where the castle is? It's right on the cliffs. Hmm. So, like, they could get rid. It would if they attack the castle by like collapsing it into the sea. Um, that would be a really big blow to the royalty, probably. I mean, that's one way to depose a monarchy. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the purple the Phantom Sight at this point is not. I, I think they've gone beyond their 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 ideals when they started. I think they've just become a destructive force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just wanted to randomly kill many people. Yeah, the whole city. <laughs> but yeah, I, those rich areas, those like rich precincts, they're right on the sea. Like besides the South Shore, like the other ones, like up north, those precincts are right on the sea. If they get flooded sometime, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> But I mean, why wouldn't the South, if the tunnels are under the South uh, in Grey Chapel, which I think they are, right? Because Karen mentioned that. They would oh, also get probably They're also by the river. Like the entire city is connected by tunnels. Um, they could probably like block off some tunnels and keep it like contained. Like it's contained fire. So like most of the damage would probably be done to the richer precincts. And that's richer areas are technically, or not technically, but richer areas are usually who the um, PS targets like I don't think we've seen the PS target many 
unrelated PS, like lower class things, like unrelated to the PS. So people in the lower class seem to be pretty safe from the PS. Like they don't get the assassinations. Uh, they don't have to worry about the bombings because all the bombings are done to uh, wealthy areas like Allendale in the theater from the prologue. So, which makes sense because they don't want to villainize and they don't want to, um, they don't want to hurt their primary source of recruits. Hmm. Keeping it to wealthy areas and making sure that's, that the damage stays in more wealthy areas is a smart tactic. If they were smart, they would use that tactic. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now, um, Butler appears. <laughs> He's like, my lady, my lady, I have your Brussels sprout scented sorbet. So, of course. Oh, did she have Brussels sprout breath when she was all over well? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Poor Will's still oh. on the ground, like, visibly oh. shaking from this. Poor guy. The poor boy is traumatized. He's traumatized. Mm-hmm. One, of my yeah. favorite, one of my favorite conversations that we had, like, from, uh, again, a while back, uh, was about Artalis's economy. And we we realized that, like, Artalis doesn't seem to produce a lot of things, and we weren't really sure what type of economy it was and what they did produce and what they did like buy and so we basically had this thing where like Artalis's economy is in shambles and seeing that Artalis has Brussels sprout scented sorbet they deserve that economic crisis like they deserve it <laughs> like if, if the city is really going to let Brussels sprout scented sorbet exist you know maybe being like by a terrorist organization like it shouldn't be their biggest worry because this this is the true crime against humanity i kind of thought they were a manufacturing like um nation with their ports and like over by the docks it looks like you know it looks like plants or something like that so i kind of thought it was like they made textiles maybe oh yeah like an industrial revolution in england that would make sense yeah it goes with the vibe of the of the of the webtoon too so mm-hmm. We haven't seen many factories, though, which I think gets most people. Like, where we would expect factories, like, they're pretty empty. Like, Great Chapel, that area in 65 that seemed uh, pretty abandoned, which was, I found odd. Yeah, I mean, there's active, and if you look at, you know, old maps of, like, London, you know, for, for example, like, back in the day, like, there were areas of it, especially where the lodging was for those people who worked in the factories, because it was such a, a lower class and kind of, it was in shambles, even if you looked at those pictures and two. Um, so then, and the, the plants weren't exactly right, they were near there, but, you know, that's still where the people lived, sadly, rather than worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. As we've gone more episodes, bits uh, uh, and pieces of the economy has started to make sense. I think the conversation when it happened, it was like two weeks after season two really uh, premiered. So oh, like, wow. we, were, we were going off almost nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, there's only so much they can show us within the comic and they're just not yeah. showing us everything. So, yeah. <laughs> But the vibes of the city that they've established has have been fantastic. Like the world building, like... Genuinely, like, even if we aren't entirely sure of what economy it is, that's such a fine detail that, like, it doesn't really matter overall to the story. The world building that we've gotten so far anyways is just fantastic. We don't really need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Even to the point of everything is planned out, like, the whole entire world. It's, I mean, even though 
probably the other countries aren't. The city itself is amazingly planned out. Yeah. It's Art House does feel isolated, though. It, I yeah. mean, it kind of feels like it's the only place in that side of the world. I want to know what's overseas. Like, are there other nations? Are they involved? Oh, in this? Do they know what's going on? Apparently, I think, I don't remember when, but apparently there was an idea that they would eventually go overseas, but I think it was scrapped. So I'm not sure if they'll bring it back. But I, yeah, I would love to see like an arc where they go overseas and explore that part of the world, see what things are like from over there. Because especially with, it does seem like they are sort of hinting towards it. They mentioned how Kieran was overseas in episode 83. And they talked about how Alexander came from out of town in 86. So yeah, I can definitely see them going to other places of the world. And if they do explore that option, it does also give like motivation for the upper class um, characters that are involved in the Phantom Scythe for, you know, why they want to take down, um, you know, their current government. If they've got other ties to, you know, other nations and they've got yeah. more money in the pot over there, it does give them a financial incentive to take down their own government. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know if those other countries are going to be involved, but if they did, that would serve as good motivation. interesting um yeah i know i'm getting tired too yeah sorry if we're keeping you here so long um one of my friends she one a thing that she says a lot about our tallest and just considering its state in the general scheme of in the bigger scheme of things like with the whole world of ph like the other countries she always says how she finds it surprising how they haven't been annexed yet because their monarchy is so weak that it they wouldn't be able to stand like someone um, taking over them like an invasion i mean there was a war i mean uh mr uh, mr uh, stephen hawks was a general for something oh, well yeah, no true. you can have generals in peacetime you always have a standing army yeah yeah um but so. you know london in the industrial age it does make me wonder does Artalis have smaller uh, colonies and stuff maybe because what we see, the city we see, is only the capital. There is a larger country outside of it. Maybe. Yeah, we, can that. we assume. Anywho, so if we can continue, <laughs> that'll be nice. Sorry. Um, I mean, this is fascinating stuff, but it's already <laughs> pretty long. So the um, Lady A is like, oh, my beautiful, handsome butler is back from the dead, which... And there's like love marks and hearts everywhere, which I find surprising. Like, lady, if you love your butler so much, why are you like shoving this young guy on your body? Doesn't seem very loyal to me. Like the butler's loyal to her, (laughs) or she's not loyal to him, obviously, because he's going after Will. But she has the butler, who seems like he would do a lot. Emma, we can't can't wait. You're very quiet. Is there? I don't know if you changed something. Let me see. Is this better? A little bit. Okay. It seems like the butler would do a lot for her. I don't know why she's chasing after some person who's obviously much younger. And not interested in her. <laughs> Definitely not interested in her at all. Lady A is a cougar confirmed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she seems very predatory. Sometimes, I mean, she's like, oh, handsome guy. Let me just take advantage of him whatever not cool very 
So now Kim looks down at Will, who's coughing, and she's like, Oi, you know, Lieutenant, are you okay? Do you also need CPR? <laughs> and he's like, Huh? And she's like, I can call Herman over to revive you. Poor Will. <laughs> On top of everything, is to deal with Kim. I'm pretty sure that's a call back to the, like the him suggesting that Herman and Will go on a picnic together, like a romantic <laughs> picnic. <laughs> oh, Herman's the joke. Never. <laughs> and now they come back to the office, and Kim has apparently told her the whole story. And she's like, ah, so that's why Will looks so disheveled. Poor Will. And now March comes in, he's like, hey guys, evening, what did Herman say? Investigation unit will cooperate with other precincts to look for the culprit. With three murders in a row, the killer may have left some, left some clues. We can maybe, and we might have a chance of finding something at this time. And Kieran walks in now. And he's like, otherwise, good news for you, Sinclair. Your name will post probably be clear because of last night's events. Herman will not be able to keep you on suspension without more evidence. Yay. She has a little, and she just says, Lauren's like, I just wish that three brutal murders weren't necessary to prove my innocence in his eyes. Reels. Honestly, having three murders to prove her innocent is a bit stupid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It is tragic. So, like, this is the length people must go to to have confirmation of the truth. Yeah, I'm happy she spoke up, though, and expressed her feelings, at least, you know, mm-hmm. that she felt free enough to express her frustration. That's a good sign. And Kim's like, because Kim can't just, like, you know, she's like, <laughs> she on the assumption that they're dating right she just has to bring drag him in she's like did you hear kieran <laughs> oh yes i heard about the murders and he says um it would send chills down anyone's spine and that's a lie because yeah there are people who would not send spines chills Honestly, down i assume that he's referring to himself like people they don't realize it of course but i do think that he would be talking about himself because he's just so desensitized to it mm-hmm. at this point yeah that's what I think too. And then he looks and he looks, there's a close up and he's like, genuinely, he says, but I'm glad officer Sinclair is no longer suspected. And then Laura looks at him and he looks at her. <laughs> Intense eye contact. I'm sure that it'll be much easier for if Luna's is technically back on yet for their missions where she doesn't need to be more careful about sneaking out of the house. Because she would need a chaperone. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that she's out. Especially because now that they can get more information without having to be even more suspicious. Yeah, definitely a good thing. By the way, can I just say, just like people admire Lauren's golden pensive eyes, I admire Kieran's blue ocean eyes. Just saying. Those sparkles. <laughs> I mean, there's more sparkly than Will's baby blues. I mean, they're, I they're intense. Tensu's <laughs> amethyst eyes, like, damn. <laughs> you could pierce me. I don't know. <laughs> her eyes, it's like, oh, she's so pretty. I wish I was her. <laughs> but I like that we all have our favorites. <laughs> oh, Mindy, you know my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite too but like i said it's okay we can all share the fictional characters <laughs> yeah but you're the only one who gets dreams about hugging him so only once <laughs> I, I mean i'd be i can beam thoughts of dreams to you i can't control my dreams and i can't I control would appreciate yours, but... that please do <laughs> let us all pray together now for pleasant kieran dreams <laughs> i think 
Kim's eyes though are like really underrated. Kim's eyes, like that hazel color, oh, so pretty. I might dislike them a lot because they match my eyes, but I really like her eye color. Honestly, uh, all of them Kim's have eye color. I'm jealous. I have well, they're a bit darker, but they're close enough. Honestly, yeah, well. <laughs> all of the eyes are amazingly well done. I really love the way that in basically every panel, they are like the added color. Like, even though they can be really colorful, the eyes always stand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good character design. And also how you can tell your main characters apart. <laughs> Or like how you can tell who is the main character or not if they have some sort of funky eye color or hair. So you tell her now I have good news concerning Chow's case. The file we presented to the court has been accepted. The appeal will start next week. And Lauren nods. She had this. She has this happy nod. Now we move to the court scene. It's at some later date, and um, there's a judge. There's um, a defender, I guess, with Maria Chow sitting there, and she says the appeal was solved quickly. We have a bunch of people sitting there in the waiting waiting room. It's not really waiting room. What is it called? Docket. And um, with Lori and Herman in March. Herman, Herman seems like he's drawn a little differently this chapter, by the way. Did you notice? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like with our leads. And I think. Our leads. And the, sorry. What did you say? Oh, sorry. Uh, Mindy, I'm not sure if you found out this. But apparently, according to F, her favorite character is Herman because it's the hardest character for Soap to draw. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I was there for the presentation, the pro Herman mm-hmm. presentation. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I thought that was a little funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So she says, with our leads and the witness's testimony, and then there's the, the gavel, the investigation unit was able to gather enough evidence to prove Maria's innocence. And you see Maria being unshackled from her handcuffs beautiful just a beautiful moment seeing her feed felt like I did the right thing for the first time in a long while and Lauren sitting there with a big smile for Lauren a big smile on her face like that's great this is like a great moment it's it's really great it's really great for everyone because this has been sort of holding Lauren back for a year a long time and Maria getting out of where she is not supposed to be. She didn't do anything, but she handled it probably really well. Like, I'm surprised she's still doing well. And I'm really glad that she can actually get out. And Yeah, I, um, seeing that this case has been resolved is really satisfying <laughs> for me. Because, like, I don't know. I, I like Maria. Like we don't even know her, and I've already touched. I'm already touched her, but yeah, uh, I like Maria. So I'm glad that she was able to get that. This was successful, and that she will be free. And honestly, I'm not sure if we'll see much of her after this. But you know, I low key kind of do. I won't lie. I'm gonna have to bid you all adieu and good night. My phone has just flashed me at five percent, so. Um... I'm going to have to call it a night. Okay. Thank you so much, Meg. We are almost done anyway. So, but thank yeah. you so much for staying on for this very long episode. That's all right. I'll uh, see you I'll again. See you. Yep, I only had that one last point anyway. So I will see you uh, next time. Okay. Bye, Meg. Bye. See ya, Meg.
Yeah, so it's a great moment. And now we learn. But that relief was only for a short duration. And we see a little boy standing in front of the Arthalas Police Department. For a second, I was like, wait, is that Dylan? Is that Dylan? Because it was like a flashback or something because he has lightish hair in that newsboy cap. And he's a cutie. And he's looking up and Lauren comes out. You can tell it's like a very imposing building for him because he's a little kid. And Lauren comes out and she walks out of the police department and then she sees then the little boy's like miss miss and she's like me and he said this is for you he has her a folded note and he runs away and um actually the, the point that meg was just mentioning that she wanted to say she said that first he saw her in front of the police department but then he ended up going to the a bridge like a little further away and it seems like he wasn't comfortable standing there or maybe he maybe he was smart enough to realize he shouldn't stand in front of the police station to deliver a secret message <laughs> I like so this kid to- a lot, even though we don't really know who he is. He seems really cute. It's like yeah. the orphans, I feel attached. Seems very cute. to be an orphan, I guess. And honestly, like, I really hope that kid was paid for that. Me too. Because I don't like whoever. I'm guessing, whoever. I'm guessing I think it is too. Seems most likely. It's been probably been a, a week now, I think. So it's around time. Over. Yeah. It's been a week. She says um, when she is with March and March walks her home. Sorry, when the other guy walks her home and, and she meets Karen outside her house, she's like, oh, it's been a week. So yeah, and it's been a while since then. But yeah, she gets this note, she unfolds it, and then she just looks looks at it and looks more intently at it. And that's where we end off. So <laughs> I assume it was something. I just realized my husband's clothes were in the frame. So <laughs> Sorry not something that. surprising enough that would get a huge reaction but it's for sure it's for sure a decent reaction something probably made her a bit unhappy mm-hmm. i think i also assumed it was from sandman because right it's not super surprising she's not completely shocked but she's just intent you know intense mm-hmm. who knows i mean probably from salmon but i'm probably from him yeah, I saw a bunch of, you know, yeah. I know the fandom came up with a bunch of very cute memes for possible possible note contents, which were funny. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. looking oh. through the comments right now if there's, like, any talking points that, like, I would want to see. And there's a comment that says, the tension between Bella and Nero is there, but it doesn't look to me of a sexual one. And I mean, I like, I don't want to like get too like not PG 13, but like, I really hope that it wasn't really sexual in nature because like, I do think that a relationship like that could be executed well. I just worry about like the fan reaction because I won't lie, Bella and Darcy's relationship may be very susceptible to fetishization by the Yes. Uh huh. I mean, it happens in every fandom. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's, it's like something. Yeah, I get even. worried. I get worried. I think people will handle it well either way, but there's always going to be the few people that that probably will fetishize it. Wait, what's fetishize as opposed to regular shipping? What's the what's the difference? Well, people ship it specifically because it's mostly because they want 
it's often between um woman loving woman relationships mm-hmm. that happens more and they just basically they just want like they just want to sexualize it and mess things up yeah specifically uh, for their own reasons the the dictionary definition from google says to make some to make um in parentheses something the object of a sexual fetish and the example they put is women's bodies are so intensely fetishized mm. so i i won't lie i am a little bit scared on that front that may be what happens to them because it is a um, lesbian ship and it is and people are more likely to pay attention to it because um, it does seem to be an end game ship or at least have a ship where there was romantic uh, feelings between it. Honestly, I, I, I'm just hoping for an emotional um, deep romance between them if I I am too. I'm me. really excited for it if it does end up happening because I think that it would be nice to see Bella more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to see a more, we got to see a more human side to her now, and that already was very appealing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about it before you came, but I was like, previously, I had no reason to believe Bella had a heart, and now she she shows that heart. So that was great to see a weakness, a vulnerability to her. Oh hell yeah! Um, and I, yeah, and I mentioned that you you know you you always had hoped that Bella you know, was not happy about the life she was living, et cetera. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we have like, yeah, like you said, you were proven right. Yeah. Or at least, the, you know, to some extent we, that we know that she didn't choose this. Mm-hmm. A lot of theory wins for me, this. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, hey, um, what was I thinking? Ah, oh, dang it. I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, I guess. Meanwhile, do, hopefully you you can remember. Um, do we have any other final thoughts on this episode? I don't trust Sandman. Like I said this on the Discord. Like I don't I don't like him. Um, my heart says get away from him, and I want him to like die and like <laughs> be burned alive. But like my theory brain, the one craving information and knowledge. Mm-hmm wants him back like immediately because yeah. he, he's in on the tea <laughs> he gave us so much information in those two or whatever episodes he was in I and mean, it was like non-stop and lauren just lauren came out of that um discussion with doc and, and tristan that she was listening in on she's totally gonna ask him about it right Ooh, yes i hope oh great that'd be awesome mm-hmm. can't wait for him to honestly Loki, i want i want him to be kidnapped too like just yeah. you know see how it feels like dude because kidnapping not cool <laughs> sexual harassment not him. cool kidnapping not cool murder not cool the story is teaching us many great lessons <laughs> mainly about what's not a good thing so many, to do oh my god there's so many great role models in ph like you know like when something bad happens just you know hold on to it for 10 years or like when problems arise just like disappear off the map for a couple years like you know just so many great role models in ph (laughs) i just aspire i want to be all of them (laughs) well it's not 
it's just like the characters in PH genuinely are amazingly written and um, I don't know I don't even know how to express that in words because it's just amazing so with that if y'all have concluded I think it'll be a great time to wrap it up since it's been almost three hours (laughs) almost three hours we we didn't start quite at when we were supposed to but yeah it's been a long episode so (laughs) Yeah, so, for keeping it this long and for okay, it was it, again. it was your moment to shine, as Kieran said. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. This was great. I had a lot of fun. This is as always. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait for next set for next recording. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, thanks so much, and I'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Good night. Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, and Alexa. Your support is much appreciated.